Happy weekend, church. How's everybody doing? Good? All right. Well, whether you're here in person, those of you who are worshiping online, um, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. It is always my joy to get to be with you on weekends. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. Um, as Whitney said, like week six of this series, um, I don't know if you guys care as much as I do, but like, it's, I feel like something's done when we're done with these things. So, um, but I'm really excited what we're gonna talk about together today. This, is, um, this message is gonna cover a lot of ground. And it's ground we will recover in more detail in days ahead, but I wanna cover a lot of ground with you today about how we as individual people and we as a church are going to live out our relationship with Jesus. And so to jump into this, I need to share a couple of scriptures with you and a biblical truth that flows out of those scriptures that I've been saying to myself an awful lot these days as well as to other people. So let me, I wanna read a couple scriptures to you. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter two, verses four and five. It's talking, it says, as you come to him, talking about Jesus. So as you come to Jesus, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So we're given this idea of being a, a holy priesthood. If you go down just a few more verses there in this same chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse nine, it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So if you're a believer in Jesus, something you gotta know about yourself is that you are a priest. And God has made you to be a priest, and what a priest does is a priest represents God to people and represents people to God. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a priest. You don't need a priest, you are a priest. He has made you, declared you to be a priest. Now if you think about that for just a minute, that's a pretty intimidating thing. So this next verse helps me. It's in 2 Timothy Chapter one, verse seven, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, self-discipline. So here you and I are as people who have been declared by God to be priests, not needing a priest, but to be a person who represents God to people and people to God. And if you think that through, how intimidating that is, but what God has done is he's given us his spirit who does not make us timid, but makes us exactly the opposite of that. In this intimidating role that we have been given, he, God's Holy Spirit, who lives inside of us, gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So that leads me to this statement that I continue to make to myself, and that I will say to you, and we need to continue to say it to each other, as words of blessing and encouragement and peace as we walk into this priesthood that God has given to each one of us. It's a concept that's called the priesthood of the believer. As we walk into this, here's what you and I need to know. You need to know that you are a priest of God most high and God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So you gotta hang on to this little truth because what we're gonna talk about today for this weekend and what we're gonna press into in days ahead, if you lose sight of this little thing here, this could be scary stuff. 
But because God has declared you to be a priest, you are a priest of God most high and God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. What we're gonna talk about today is a joy and a privilege that you and I get to enjoy. So let me kind of give you some reminder of where we've been so that we stay on the same page as we start to move through where we're gonna go today. So I wanna show you this overview of our series. We've been, we've been looking at this cross, it's called Cross Walk, and you're gonna continue to see this cross, and for those of you who are with us, I hope you can draw this by now. I hope this is, like, you could teach a little bit of it. If you're new, like, check this out. This is, I think this is a beautiful description of our spiritual life and how it flows. So, so we believe that God is always moving towards us. And if you look at the upper left-hand corner there, that cross, it says gospel. God is always moving towards you. No matter your circumstances, no matter how you feel about him in the moment, no matter what your questions are, he is moving towards you and he is making you an offer. And he is offering you himself. He offers you himself through Jesus, through his death, burial, resurrection from the dead, opportunity for you to experience eternal life, and it does not stop there. As you say yes to what Jesus is offering you, what God's offering you through Jesus, God continues to move towards you, and he moves towards you in his word, and he moves towards you through prayer. This, to me, is one of the most astounding things, that when you open your Bible or when you bow your head to pray, creator God, God of the universe, Lord God Almighty, comes close to you, to give you, to give to you, to give to you what you need. So God's always moving towards us and we get to receive what he is giving to us and as we receive what he's giving to us, then we get to respond. And we get to respond to him in prayer and we get to respond to him in obedience and we get to respond to him in worship and the number of ways that you and I can worship. And then last week we talked about not only does our response, is it, is it vertical in our relationship with God, we also respond on this horizontal plane with our relationships with each other and so so as you move out to that side that says love each other, that's, that's, our, most, that's our closest relationships. That's, that's our families, our family, for those with friends and family that are tight, that's in the church community. That's whoever you look at and say us, that's we love each other in this. This week I wanna talk with you about the other wing of that cross, about serving our neighbors. And what I wanna say to you at the outset of all of this is is that whole, the whole point of this relationship that you have with God, he moves towards you to rescue you and he places you in relationships that encourage you, equip you, build you up so that you can then be a minister of his rescue and a minister of his reconciliation to the people who are around you. So what I would say to you in, as we look at that cross, if, if your vertical relationship with the Lord and your relationships with those who are closest to you that, that kind of spur you on in your faith, if they haven't led you out beyond the walls of the church, beyond the comfort zone of your Christian circle, if it hasn't led you out there, you might be doing it wrong. God has rescued you, he's rescued me so that we can become agents and ministers of his reconciliation. And so what we're gonna talk about today, through this weekend, is what that's gonna look like for you, what that could look like for you and for me and for us as a church as we move together. And so I'm gonna give you, as we've done at like each of these stopping points, I'm gonna give you three things. 
Um, these, are, these are three different ways that you and I can serve our neighbors in Jesus' name for his honor, for his glory, to point them to. And so I wanna talk about each of these things with you for just a little bit. And again, we're gonna cover ground fast. I've got a lot of information on the slides for you. And then we'll revisit these things in days ahead. But this, this could be a life-changing weekend. Not just for you, but for the people who are in your neighborhood, in your school, at your workplace. This could be a life-changing weekend for the people that God has put in your circle of influence. And so I'm really excited to share these things with you. All right, so those bullet points. The first, the first thing that we're gonna talk about is evangelism. Serving our neighbors evangelism. Okay, so if you've been, if you've been in church for a while, this is a scary word, right? This is, this is uh-oh, we're gonna talk about this. Um, if, you, if, you've ever, like, if you've ever been uh, assaulted by somebody with a really big Bible, you, <laughs> Evangelism is scary, right? So I wanna give, um, give you a couple of definitions that maybe will take some of the, the fear out of this for us. So the first, what I would say evangelism, evangelism is, is sharing good news. It is, it's, it's good news. That's the root of that word and idea in the scriptures. When, we're, when we, we get to be evangelists, and what evangelists do is evangelists communicate good news. So it puts a smile on our face, puts joy in our heart. It's, it's something that we're getting to deliver to somebody who is in need of it. Evangelist, like that is, that is just sharing good news with other people. And I love this next little statement too. And this comes from, I think it's a merger. I don't, from, my, from the Alpha course, the Alpha Ministries, and my buddy Bob Guilford put this definition together. So it's not mine. And if I messed up where it came from, we can blame my friend Bob but this is an awesome definition of evangelism is joining a conversation that the Holy Spirit's already having somebody else about Jesus. Because one of the things the Bible's really clear about is that the weight of sharing the good news of Jesus does not fall on you and on me. God the Holy Spirit is already going before. It is one of the things that is the clear statements of his work in our world is he, he is convincing the world, people in the world of, of sin, of their sin, of God's righteousness, of coming judgment, and our need of rescue. And, and he has done that for you, and, and he is doing that for the people who are in your circle. And so when we talk about doing evangelism, you're not starting a conversation, you're just jumping in, a conversation that the Holy Spirit's already having about Jesus. And I love, from Acts chapter four, verse 20, Jesus' first followers, they gave, us, they gave us an idea of what this is that I can wrap my arms around, and that I can put into practice into my life as for us, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. That if, if you just would let evangelism boil down to those ideas for you, it's just it's communicating good news, you're joining into a conversation that God the Holy Spirit's already having with somebody and you're just talking about what you have seen, heard, experienced with Jesus. That is, that is evangelism. It doesn't have to be standing on a street corner, it doesn't have to be confrontational, it doesn't have to be something that somebody walks away from like, oh good, I got that off my chest. It doesn't. None of that. We get, we, get to be people who, we get to be people who are sharing good news. Like We've heard this good news and we've received it and it has made all the difference for us and we get to pass this good news on to you and joining in with God the Holy Spirit's already doing. There's a simple little way that makes sense to me in, it's, it's achievable for like a strategy for, for doing evangelism, for sharing good news with people who are around you. It's three words, um, prayer, 
And again, remember, because we're, we're joining in with work that God's already up to. And we're asking God to do some things. This is spiritual work. It's not my job, it's not your job, it's God's job. So we're stepping in like on behalf of our friends and neighbors. So it's prayer, care, so we care about people, and then share. And letting them know, again, the things that you have seen and heard. And I love what the Apostle Paul says to a group of people that he, he shared Jesus with. And they believed, and they became this little church. And he was writing back to them in 1 Thessalonians. He says to him, he says, we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our lives as well. So this is, it's this re- beautiful relational thing where we choose to care for somebody and engage with them in their life and share our lives as well as the gospel of Jesus, what we have seen and what we've heard and what we've experienced him to be in our lives. I was listening to a guy talk about this few weeks ago and he was talking about, um, there's this strategy that's called BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, and I can't remember what all the letters stand for in that, but he said, for at least for those of us who've grown up in the church, so if you grew up in church, you've, you've, you've been encouraged to share your faith. Like you live your life and you share your faith. And what he's suggesting is that you should live your faith and share your life. Just kind of flop that and so share your life and live out your faith and see where that takes you in relationship with those who are around you. So, so again, evangelism is about, it is about good news, it's about talking about the things that God is up to in our lives. What we've seen, what we've heard, what we've experienced and, and letting other people know like who we are and what he's done for us because we care for him, we love him. So evangelism is the first, first way that we're going to serve our neighbors. Um, we're going to be people who are committed to to sharing good news. Second thing that we're gonna be doing is um, biblical justice. Biblical justice. So justice is a hot word right now, you know, in our culture. And depends on who you talk to, it means a lot of things to a lot of people. So we have, we have intentionally hung the word biblical on justice. And um, it's different than social justice. There's some, some places where they touch, but biblical justice is different and it is superior to social justice. And actually, a couple series ago, we called Pivot, did a whole message on this, and there's a significant chunk of that message on doing biblical justice that talks about how biblical justice is superior to social justice. So if you wanna explore that a little bit more, you can go back and listen to that message, but, but we'll do biblical justice. Uh, primarily because we're gonna listen to what God says about what is right and what is fair. And if you're doing social justice and you're listening to somebody else out in the culture, somebody with influence, somebody with say-so, somebody with power who is deciding what is right and fair, and they may or may not be correct on that. And so we're gonna listen to what God says about biblical justice. So biblical justice for us, there's a couple things. One is biblical justice, is, it is rooted in the character of God who is just. Over and over again, God says it about himself and he, he proves it in the way he relates to humankind. He, he is just, he's fair, he's right, he's righteous. And when, when he speaks, when he acts, when he sets up systems and rules, they're always just. And so biblical justice is rooted in the character of God. And then the other place that it's rooted in is in the dignity of every human. 
as created in the image of God. That, that every person is, is created in God's image. It doesn't, <laughs> we're all created in God's image and the scripture over and over is very clear. That's, that, is a, that is a level playing field. We are the same and we are, because we are made in God's image, we, are, we have infinite worth and value in God's eyes. And as people created in the image of God, our fellow image bearers have infinite value and worth as well. And so what biblical justice looks like is the people of God working to establish and to restore people who have been and are being wronged. So biblical justice is like there's, you gotta step into the nitty gritty to do biblical justice. You're, you're walking into places where there's hard stuff that happens and we're gonna be the kind of church that, that walks in to hard things. So there's, there's really kind of three layers as we learn about these things. And I keep saying these same names for, for me and for us as a church. Uh, Dr. Eric Mason, Dr. Tony Evans, and Dr. Tim Keller are three voices that have been very influential, continue to be very influential in shaping our understanding. They're, they, are, they are godly, they're super smart, way beyond me, and, and they have been thinking and talking about this stuff for a long time now. And so they've, they've moved through some things. And so one of the things that, I believe this is from Dr. Eric Mason, he talks about three different layers of biblical justice. The first layer, and again, these are things that are extremely important for us, is um, intervening justice. So we're, we're stepping into, like we're, we're stepping in where there is an injustice, getting in between the oppressor and the oppressed. And so again, that requires, that requires, God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Like that requires the, the guts of God, the Holy Spirit living inside of you and the full faith that you are a priest of God most high, the spirit of God lives in you, so I'm gonna get in the way in between the oppressor and the oppressed. And so intervening justice is seeing, seeing injustice and stepping in. Preventative justice is getting ahead of injustice. It's, it's one of, the one of the things I love about what Whitney was talking about, the Zumbro Ridge Estates, the, the after school program that we've got going, is, is getting ahead of some disparity. So we're, we're stepping in, not intervening so much, but stepping in before this thing gets out of control and gets bad for people who do not have access and do not have resources. And so there's preventative justice where you're, you're getting ahead and so that justice like it can continue to roll. And then the last one is systemic. There, there systemic injustice in our world. And I know that's a political thing to say and I'm not saying it politically, I'm saying it just as an observer. There is systemic injustice. Systems are created and it's not fair. The ground's not level for everybody. And, and some people have to work really hard to get someplace and some people only have to work a little bit to get to the same spot. It's just not fair. And so there is systemic injustice and to see those systemic injustices, it takes systemic kind of work. And so to be a church that's willing to get involved and get involved in the long game, to help build and rebuild justice into systems that, that are not just. And so we're, we're gonna be the kind of church that engages with, with biblical justice and does biblical justice here in our community, in our world. There's a verse in Isaiah chapter one, verse 17, 
It says, learn to do good. And I take a great deal of comfort in that statement right there. It's okay to need to learn this, to learn to do good. We're gonna be a, we're gonna be a people, we're gonna be a church that's continually learning how to do good, learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. We're gonna be people who are involved, people who are involved. So we're already involved as a church, and you guys gotta know this. Many of you are involved in your own lives. This is this is just the, this is a way to go and you know, we can excel still more in these things sections. So let me show you this list of where we as a church are already involved so that you know. Um, first, at-risk children and families. We are, we are stepping in and intervening in preventative justice with at-risk children and families in Minnesota, in South Dakota, in Cambodia, and in Southern Africa. So we're, we're in a lot of places with our people and with our money um, helping at-risk children. We're involved with people who are enslaved by cycles of poverty, addiction, crime. We are working with ministry partners that are experts in helping people break those cycles so that, so that not only does the person who is enslaved get free, but the, the way that flows out into their circles of influence, depending on who you talk to, each person that is rescued, whether it's from poverty, addiction, crime, it impacts 13 to 16 people. Each person that breaks free from these cycles and most people that are in poverty, addiction, or crime, it's a cycle. There was somebody before them that was influential on them that acted on them and it, it pulled them in. And so we have this awesome opportunity to be engaged with people who have been enslaved by these cycles of poverty, addiction, and crime. And we're, gonna, we're, we're doing it. And we're doing it. We're investing time, energy, money, encouragement, whatever we can do to, to, to see people who are created in God's image, who he loves every bit as much as he loves you and me, and they have been, they have been enslaved. To see them set free. What an awesome thing. Um, we're in it for unborn children and for their parents. We, we, are partnered with, we are partnered with the local crisis pregnancy center. Um, we are for the unborn. They're, they're people. The unborn are people. And if you need to argue with me about this, we could do it offline. It's people. And Marie and I have been in the game for the unborn for a lot of years. And face to face with parents, we've yet to encounter somebody who wants to have an abortion. We find people who are who are in desperate circumstances, who are filled with fear, who are under pressure often from somebody influential in their lives who see no other way out. And so to be for the unborn is also to be for their parents so that there is a way out for them to make the decisions that they want to make. And to be for people who've made a decision that they didn't wanna make. To help them find healing, to find grace, to find restoration, to find the forgiveness that God offers, to see that He has a hope and a future for them, that they don't have to be stuck in, in what they're experiencing based on a decision that they made, whether it was last week, last month, last year, 10 years ago. And so we're a church that is for we're for the unborn children and we're for their parents, so that so that we get the opportunity to see people, babies be born, moms and dads get to celebrate life and be able to move into the joy of, of family living. Uh, we're for refugees and immigrants. And again, we're, we're in it. We're in this with refugees and immigrants. And it is, it is this amazing privilege that we have for people who have come here from other places looking for a better way to live. And 
what it costs to navigate that. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it would be like to be dropped into another culture where you don't, you don't look like many of the people who are in that culture, where you cannot speak their language, where you do not know how to navigate any of the systems, where you can't figure out how to get to where you need to go, and once you get there, you can't figure out how to do what you need to do. And to be able to have a life that a person who is created in the image of God and lives in this place to have the kind of life that they ought to be able to have, it takes God's people stepping in and saying, hey, we're here to help. You are, you are a beautiful image bearer of the Lord our God. How can we help you? And so we're in it with refugees and immigrants, and I know many of you, and, and we have people coming from Afghanistan to our state and to our town, and so there's gonna be more and more opportunities for us. This is, this is one of the places where they're coming, and so we have partners in this, like we have ministry partners that are engaged in this, and this is something that we as a church spend time and energy, money, prayer, resources on, is refugees and immigrants. This last thing that's on the slide here, we have what we call 507 grants. 507 is our area code, so, so this is like super creative, and I didn't do it. So, but we have 507 grants, they're for you, for your small group, to, to engage in a project serving your neighbor. To, to do for them something that they can't do for themselves, but as an image bearer of the Lord our God, that should be done for them. And so the 507 grant is really, an, it's $507 from the church for you, to, because the last thing that should be a barrier for God's people in doing good is finances. Our, our father has all the money. So, so money is not a barrier for us to do good. And when you have an opportunity in front of you to do good and you're looking at that and scratching your head about the money, your church has you on that. And so that's a 507 grant. And we have this little video that kind of promotes this and shows a small group serving. And so I'd love to show this video to you guys about our 507 grant. So if you would, please watch the screens. So we're here tonight, uh, we're a part of a small group from Christ Community Church. This is a, a couples group that we've been meeting for quite some time now, and periodically we do community service projects. Once the 507 uh, program started, it kind of uh, made me put my antennas, antenna up a little bit to look for projects where we could utilize some of that grant money towards a project helping someone in need, and made a food delivery here and noticed that the house was in some need of repair. And so our group decided to pitch in together to, to work on the repairs together. And so what we did is we decided to take advantage of that and leverage some of the funding that's available to buy this material such that we could use our own tools and our own you know, handiwork here to install it for the people that live in this house. to help others that can't do it for themselves and bond as a group and feel a sense of accomplishment for an evening, a beautiful evening outside. Yes. 
um, and doing it together. We are to comfort those with the comfort we've received from Christ. And when people have come and helped us in our times of need, this is just another example of how we can then turn that around and, and display that type of comfort to others, right? And so that's a key component of what we are all about in our, in our group here. It's honestly, it's the right thing to do. We've got a lot of opportunity to help out. We've got the resources. So why not go and use you know, our time and, and abilities to help somebody else that maybe could use that help. I was watching that thinking they did all that work around there for the privilege of getting to pray for that lady. And that prayer meant something to her because of all the work that was done around that garage and the outside of that house. Just way to go to her group that was like, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we wanna be the kind of people as a church, evangelism, biblical justice, and this isn't multiple choice, right? So if you're part of this church, we're doing these things and we're doing them together and we're all doing them. So evangelism, biblical justice, the third one is missions. So we are part of a denomination. I don't know if you guys knew this. We're part of a denomination. It's called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Our denomination was founded on the importance of doing missions, global missions. So let me give you a definition of missions. It is, um, it's crossing political and social boundaries to do evangelism and biblical justice. Okay, so there's this whole area of study called missiology. And I scratched the surface of it when I was in seminary. There's bigger definitions than this. But when we think about what missions is, missions is going across political and social boundaries to do evangelism, prayer, care, share, to do biblical justice, to do for people what they deserve as fellow image bearers. And so we have this, we have this incredible opportunity as a church to be engaged in, in missions. In, in going and in praying and giving to support what God is doing through people in other places. And, and so you and I have this, we have this opportunity, this responsibility, this beautiful privilege to be what Jesus said to his first followers, you'll be my witnesses, not only where you live, but to the ends of the earth. And I don't know if you've ever thought about like your story, God's stepping in and rescuing you, your story could reverberate around the globe. What, a, what an amazing thing that God stepped in and rescued you and you are engaged in relationship with him and others and now you're finding that was flowing out of you in the lives of people around you and not just the people who are near but people who are far, you have a story that is, that is worth being shared, not just, not just in your neighborhood, not just in your workplace, but around the globe. And so we're, we're a church that does missions. We do it with people, like we are connected to people. Our denomination is deeply involved in it, and we're, we're deeply involved with our denominations, particularly financially. We are relationally involved with missionaries, and we send people to go do missions. And so, again, we're gonna continue to do missions. We're gonna ramp, we're gonna ramp into missions. 
I hope in a couple of years we'll be able to stay in a room like this and say, hey, how many of you have been on a mission trip? And everybody raises their hand because you've had an opportunity to go and do missions because your story is a story that is worth sharing, not just in your neighborhood, but to the nations. So evangelism, biblical justice, missions. So I can tell you when I do messages like this, they make me squirm. They do, they make me squirm. I don't know if it makes you squirm, <laughs> but it makes me squirm. And the reason it makes me squirm is because it, it provokes me and prods me to care about the spiritual condition of my neighbors. Not be excited about the condition of their yard or you know, that their new car that they got or the things that we know about each other, that's a cute dog you have. But to be, to be concerned about the spiritual condition of my neighbors. That's heavy, that feels heavy to be concerned about the spiritual condition of my neighbors. But messages just like this when we talk about evangelism and about good news and how I've been rescued and I have this opportunity to engage with the people who are around me. And so it makes me squirm when I think about evangelism. Biblical justice, to think about, to think about the the massive amounts of injustice in our world. And then to think about how I might have accidentally or at some point in my life on purpose contributed to that injustice. And then to think about stepping in to those spots of injustice. And if you're stepping in to do justice work, if you're gonna be engaged in biblical justice, you're, gonna, you're walking in, you're gonna do hard things. You're gonna do hard things. You're gonna go to hard places. You're gonna engage with messy life circumstances. You're gonna stand between difficult people and the oppressed. It's, you're gonna do hard things, and it makes me squirm to think about doing hard things in missions. To be aware of so many people in our world who do not know about Jesus. There's so many people in our world who do not know about Jesus. The offer that he extends to you, he's extending to them. They just haven't heard it yet. And to realize that, that many people in our world, they're only, the only portrayal that they have of Christianity and therefore Jesus is American television that gets broadcast to them. Can you imagine if, you're, if your understanding of who Jesus is and what being a Christian is like is from primetime American TV? There's so many people in our world who don't, who have not seen, heard, had an opportunity to engage with and respond this offer that God is making to them. To think about being a person who's gonna care like that Who's gonna, who's gonna step into hard things and who's gonna go to places and share this story that God has given to me. Makes me squirm. Makes me squirm thinking about it. And so, so I'm gonna say to us, <laughs> to myself, what, what I said to us at the start of all of this. You and I, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're a priest of God most high. You're a priest of God most high. He has, 
he has said that to you and about you. That is, that is not something that, that you or I, like that's not something that we have to say about ourselves, but the Lord your God has said about you, you are his priest. And you represent him to people and you represent people to him. You are priest of God most high and God the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's not a spirit who makes us timid. He's a spirit who gives us power and love and self-control. And so here's how we can do this. We can pray like crazy. We can, we can pray like crazy. That we are entering into things that God is already doing. So we pray like crazy and we are going to, we are going to love we're going to care, we're going to say yes, we're gonna step in, we're gonna go to hard places and we're gonna do hard things. And I'm gonna tell you this, Jesus is worth it. He is, Jesus is worth it. He gave his life for you and he has rescued you and he has redeemed you. He has exited the grave and ascended and seated at the right hand of God the Father. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and his name is worth being spoken in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in the dark places of this world. Jesus is worth it. And, and, the story that he is writing for you, it is a story worth sharing so that other people get the opportunity to receive what God is offering to us. He's, he's making an offer to you. He's not, he's not giving you duty, this is not an obligation, this is not a have to. You and I have this beautiful privilege of representing God to people and people to God, to be priests empowered by the Spirit of God who lives inside of us. And when we, we walk around this, the, you and I, we get to do this. You don't have to do this, we get to do this. And we're gonna be people who do it with joy and who do it together. So I wanna pray that for us. And then after I pray, I've got these discussion questions for you this week. So would you guys please bow your head and close your eyes with me? Heavenly Father, we're really grateful that you move towards us and that you put in us what we need to pour out into the lives of the people who are around us. So we wanna be people individually, and as a church who serve our neighbors well. We wanna walk forward in the calling that you have placed on our lives and with the confidence of the sufficiency of your Holy Spirit and who he is and what he does through us. I pray for my friends who've been in church a long time and maybe these things have been presented to them as, as a duty or as an obligation. I pray that tonight you would remind us that that this is a privilege, this is a beautiful privilege to represent you. And Jesus, you're worth it. That the hard stuff this calls us to, you're worth the sacrifice, you're worth the time, you're worth the energy, you're worth the money, you're worth whatever it takes. And so are the people who are made in your image, who are yet to receive the offer that you're making them. We'll be people who will tell them. We'll live it out and we'll tell them who you are and what you've done. So thank you for this beautiful privilege, this beautiful opportunity and the chance we have to do this together. So Jesus, we pray these things in your name, amen. All right, so let me ask you these questions here. These are, these are meant to help you, challenge you, let you process the things that you're hearing, take some next steps forward. So from this sermon, from the devotional, what, you've found, what have you found interesting, challenging, or helpful? 
All right, that's, we ask that question every week. And if you need to take a picture of this, take a picture of this. Or if you go to the website, these questions will be up during, I think they go up tomorrow. Second question, what do you think about this message description of Christian evangelism? Now, I don't know if you have a different definition, if you've heard something like that before, but how, we've described that. And then thinking about prayer, care, or share, which of those come most naturally to you? And maybe that would lead you into a conversation about where do you need a little encouragement and you know, ump from the people that you're having this conversation with. What are some of the ways that biblical justice and then the kind of the justice we hear about in the culture are similar? How are they different? And then in what ways are you doing justice? Because we're, we're all called to do it. So what ways are you doing it? Or if your answer is like, I don't know, then maybe have process, where might you be feeling called to step into that? And then the last one, have you ever been on a mission trip? We live in a unique time and a unique place. A missions is not just for people who will go spend their whole life in some other place. We now have the opportunity to go for a short period of time and to come back. It's very accessible to us. So have you ever been on a mission trip? If so, what was it like? And would you go again? <laughs> I think that'll be, that'll be a great little conversation. And hopefully somebody in the little circle that you're talking about is that you're talking with has been on a mission trip. They're astounding, life-changing opportunities. And so thank you guys for being here. It has been a great joy for me to be able to present this series to you. Hopefully this is helpful to you. We're gonna continue to process these things together in days ahead. Uh, but I'm really glad that you, have, that you have participated to this point. And I'm really excited for us as a church. I'm also excited for this community that we live in. We'll be people who will serve them with the good news of Jesus Christ. So I love you guys. I hope you have a great week. Look forward to seeing you next weekend. God bless you. You're dismissed.